You know, I was, uh, I was thinking about the, the title that I put for this message. I, I called it Trustfall. And uh, if you've ever maybe gone to like a, a job kind of thing where they do team building and team activities and they do trust falls. I've never been a part of a trust fall. I don't trust anyone to catch me. And uh, it's just, this is a big guy problem. And so I think about that though. If you grew up in Chicago particularly, I feel like we have trust issues. I feel like we struggle to trust people. We have like Midwest hospitality, but big city trust issues. And what I mean by that is just think about the last time somebody just smiled at you as you're walking down the street. You kind of smile back, but you're also kind of like, why are you smiling at me? Right? Next time anybody says hi to you, like if you're at a store, someone's like, hey, how's it going? There's a party that's like, good, but don't make eye contact because they're trying to sell you on something or they're trying to convince you. Yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Hey, do you need, no, I don't need that. Or, you know, my favorite thing when I'm at Costco and they're like, sir, do you want to put a new roof on here? I don't own a home. I live in a box. Like, don't talk to me. Like, we immediately have trust issues because we don't want to be roped into anything. We don't want to be caught up in situations or even conversations that we don't want to have. We feel like everyone always has an angle and they're trying to either get over on you or get something out of you. And I get it. I mean, I have those same issues. I struggle with that from time to time, especially when I'm meeting new people. There's there's always this guard that you have up just wondering like, what's your angle? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to get out of me? Uh, and we have to be protected. And the reality is, there are people that are trying to get over on you. There are people that are trying to scam you. Well, my parents are in their 70s now, and so we have to have like basic ground rules for them on certain things. Or like, if anyone ever calls you and asks for information, don't ever give them information. Don't give them your address. Don't give them your social security number. It's a scam. We just tell them everything's a scam. We're like, it's a scam. It's a scam. It's a scam. Because you know they can innocently do stuff and really get caught in a situation. And uh, we had to teach my dad that lesson the hard way one time. He uh, discovered YouTube later in life, and uh, we were kind of like nervous about him going on YouTube because he would go down rabbit holes, and he's uh, an equestrian. He loves horses from back in his time in Puerto Rico, and so he would just watch video after video of horses, and if you've ever been on YouTube, you know, like the next video will play right away, and so to him, he's in heaven. He's just watching all these horses, and he's like critiquing all these horses, but he would sit there for like three hours straight watching horses. We, we didn't even teach him how to look up videos and like you know, save them and go back to them. He would sit down and write the URL when he would find a favorite horse. He had this little piece of cardboard and he would write the URL. And he'd be like, Joy, Joy, let me show you this horse. <laughs> and, he would tell, and I'm like, I would tell you, I just don't want to give you too much info, Pop. I don't want you to go down this rabbit hole. And so, like I said, it was addictive. He'd go three, four hours watching videos of horses. And we told our cousin about this, just kind of laughing. And unbeknownst to us, one day, he calls my dad. And he kind of disguised his voice, you know, and he's like, hey, uh, yeah, is this Jose Silva? And my dad broke in English. He's like, uh, yes, sir, who is he speaking? He's like, hey, my name's Bob. I got your horse outside. I need you to come out and sign for it. He's like, what? Yeah, man, your horse, the one you ordered on YouTube, it's outside. He's like, no, no, it's, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. No, man, listen, I don't care what you did. You bought the dang on horse. I need you to come out here and pay for it. My dad's freaking out, right? My dad's terrified. Joey, Joey, he says I bought a horse. I didn't buy a horse. Uh, and I'm like, what happened? And then finally, my cousin couldn't hold it anymore. He's like, Theo, Theo, it's me. Like, you didn't buy a horse. It's a joke. And I swear my dad lost 10 years in that moment. And I'm like, this is why you can't trust nothing, Pop, because immediately you think you bought horses on YouTube. And so we have to be careful. 
stuff and I get why we might have some trust issues. Maybe you've been burned. Maybe somebody's played a joke on you before. Maybe someone in a serious way has gotten over on you. And so your guard goes up. The problem is most of the things that happen to us on earth, we take up to heaven. We treat God oftentimes the way we've been treated. And so a lot of times when we have trust issues here, we have trust issues with God. When we struggle to have faith, when we struggle to have trust, we bring that to the Lord. And I think this is important to tackle because we have to trust God. Because there are things that God is going to tell us to do where he's not going to give us the full picture. He's not going to give you a full playbook. He's not going to give you a full understanding. Truth be told, even if God did, you probably wouldn't understand it anyways, or you wouldn't follow through with it. And so you say, God just looks at you and says, trust me. And again, I like to think about this for those of you who are parents. You get it. When you ask your kid to do something and they're like, why? And you're like, no, just trust me. Just do it this way. Why? And it's like, dude, I don't want to have to explain it a million times. I know better than you. Just do what I asked you to do. And yet we kind of do that with God, right? Well, God, but why should I go here? Just, just do what I said. Well, why do I need to stay at Belmont? Just, just do what I say. Well, why do I need to go and, you know, the, just shut up and do what I say, okay? I'm God, you're not God. <laughs> and I think that's what the scripture tells us, isn't it? In Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. This is one of my all-time favorite verses. It's tatted on my heart. Proverbs three, five and six says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So let's unpack that a little bit. Let's, let's really understand what the scripture is trying to say here. And the first thing, if you're taking notes, is this, is that our trust has to be in the Lord. See, we all have trust, and we all decide where we put that trust. And some place that trust in relationships, some place their trust in family, some place their trust in themselves. You know, no, I only trust so-and-so, or I, I only trust this person. And, you know, a lot of you might have grown up like, hey, you can only trust your family, or you can only trust your mom and dad, or you can only trust, you know, these people from this tribe and this culture. And we, we put our trust somewhere. Everybody puts their trust somewhere, even if it's just in you. We all have trust, and we all place trust in a certain location. What I'm saying, or even better, what the scripture is saying, is that trust that you have, learn to put it on the Lord. Okay? I'm not saying you can't trust other things. I'm just saying don't put anybody else before you put your trust in God. Right? And the proverb Solomon is asking you to consciously put your trust in the Lord. To make a, de- a decision to trust God. Right? Because that, that's really what it is. It's not just saying you do it, but it's deciding to put your trust in God. Psalm chapter 56, verse 3 through 4 says, But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Okay, notice that that declarative statement, I will put my trust in you. Like there's a, uh, there's a decision that's being made there. It's, it doesn't say, hey, when I'm afraid, I won't be afraid. It's the reality that in life you're going to have situations that are going to raise up emotions that are going to cause you to want to wander or scatter. And in that moment, what are you going to choose to do? And what the psalmist is saying, when I'm afraid, when I get to those points in my life, the decision that I am making is to trust God. Because isn't that what most fear is brought from, the unknown? We fear what we don't know. We fear what we don't understand. 
And so rather than putting our trust in, in anything else, what God is saying is, hey, decide to put it in me. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I will praise God for what he has promised and trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? See, it, it's a decision to place your trust in God and not just arbitrarily, but in what he's already spoken to you, right? God has made a promise. God's not a man that he should lie. So why am I afraid when I'm leaning on God's trust? So this is why it's so important to follow God and to put your trust in God because let's say you trust God in, in a situation. Uh, let's say you, you're moving and you know you really like this house but God's telling you to do this house and nah, but that other place is better and it's bigger and it's in a nicer neighborhood and God's like, no, I want you here. So you're obedient. You say, I'm gonna trust God, I'm gonna go here. And then you find out three months later you need a new roof and water pipes are breaking and you're frustrated and you're angry. You're like, ah, I should have picked the other house. And then God says, no, 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 put your trust in me. I know it doesn't look right, I know it doesn't, but trust in me and I will make your path straight. Right? I, I was thinking about this. Um, I, I mentioned last week about my mother and how she's sick and she's got stage one kidney cancer. And again, we're very grateful that we were able to catch it so early. She has a surgery scheduled in June. And by the grace of God, she won't need anything else beyond that. And, uh, but how that all kind of came about was because she had an infection and she couldn't get an appointment because, man, if you try to get an appointment with a doctor right now, you're going to wait a couple months. But because of everything we were doing as a church within the community over the last couple of years, um, one of the things we did is we did a vaccination site where the healthcare provider loved our church. They thought what we were doing was awesome and the, they really enjoyed the partnership and they asked me to sit on their board of directors. So I've been on their board of directors for like the last year and a half. So when my mom needed an appointment, I was like, you know what, y'all don't pay me to be a board member. I'm calling in a favor. Come see my mom, right? Because I ain't afraid to do that. And so they met with my mom and because of that meeting and a series of tests beyond that, we were able to catch it early. What am I saying? Did I want to do all that? I didn't even want to do the stuff we were doing within the community right off the bat, just being transparently, because I'm like, that's not my job. I'm the youth pastor. I'm the young adults pastor. I've got to worry about all the other things. But the Lord told me, trust me, I want you to do this. I want you to leave in this. And one thing led to another, which led to another, which led to another, which led to this. You know, it's not always immediate cause and effect when you put your trust in God. But God can see the end from the beginning. So when he says, trust me, what he's saying is, I know more than you do. So just take this step. I don't see how this is going to work out. You don't need to. I see it. So take this step. Right? Part of our disappointment comes from misguided trust. Even when we think it's towards God. Trusting God means trusting him with the process and the outcome. A lot of times we trust God with the outcome, but we just don't trust him in the process. We trust that it's going to come out okay, but we don't trust what God is asking us to do in that. Think about uh, Joseph in the Bible, right? God tells him, he gives him a dream, and he says, hey, listen, there's going to be a moment where everyone is going to bow down to you. He gives him a picture of what's going to happen in the future when eventually he becomes second in command of all of Egypt, and he essentially rescues all the Israelites from famine. What he doesn't tell Joseph is he doesn't tell him, hey, by the way, your brothers are going to like try to murder you and then maybe second guess and instead they'll sell you into slavery and then you're going to end up at a guy named Potiphar's house. His wife's going to accuse you falsely of rape and so you're going to get thrown in jail and you're going to be in jail for a long time and the guys you help out of jail, they're going to forget about you and you're going to rot in jail in a cold cell for a while. But trust me, eventually it's all going to work out, right? 
<laughs> Joseph got the dream. Joseph never got the nightmare because if he got the nightmare, he wouldn't have held on to the dream. And so sometimes God just gives you the end goal and you're like, do you even know where you're going? Guys like, trust me, I know where I'm going. Okay. And you're not always going to like the process. Let's just be transparent here. The process isn't always comfortable. The process doesn't always make sense, but it's God's process. And so if, as long as I know I'm within God's will, I can be at peace with the process because I know the results are going to come from God. It's not trusting God if you've already made up your mind how things are going to turn out. Right? You have to trust God is in control no matter what the outcome, he will be there with us guiding us. Can I tell you sometimes the end result of trusting God doesn't benefit you, but it does glorify God. Sometimes the end results of what you put your trust in God doesn't always come out the way you think it should or should have. But don't misunderstand God's plan for your benefits. Okay? Sometimes we do benefit from it. But God's plan is always to glorify God's will. And sometimes he puts you on that path because he knows you can deal with it. Again, Joseph, he didn't like the process. He didn't like what ended up happening. But at the end of it all, he understood, you meant this to harm me, but God meant it that I might save the lives of many. Okay? But this uncertainty is why Solomon adds that we have to trust the Lord, not just a little bit, but if you're taking notes number two, with all your heart, right? Trust the Lord wholeheartedly with everything in you. A lot of times we say we trust God, but only kind of trust God. And what I mean by that is, hey, we're going to follow God's plan, but just in case God's wrong, we got a few plan B settled here. Just in case God doesn't know what he's doing, I got a backup plan ready in case I got to, you know, pivot. And I like to think about this. Um, my wife is probably the most mature relationship I've ever had, dating and beyond. Right? Obviously, I never got married before that, but especially when it came to dating. And when I started dating my wife, immediately one of the things I did was I erased the phone number of any other potential lady in my life. Anyone that I thought might like me or that I might be interested, I just like, I'm erasing the number. Not because I was tempted or me, I just like, listen, I am burning the bridges. There is no plan B. This is either going to work or it's not going to work. But I'm not going to like, just in case it doesn't work, I got this little side plan. And a lot of times, man, we get in trouble when we have plan Bs, when we have side plans. You know, I'm going I'm to give Pastor Joey a chance, but just in case it doesn't work out, I got this other church in mind that I'm going to go to in a couple of months. Well, you might as well just leave now because you, you've already decided in your heart to be half-hearted, to, to have one step out the door. And so when you are all in with God, you got to go all in. You can't have a plan B. You can't have a second thought. You can't have a just in case. You have to say, God, it's either going to go all in or it's not. I love when, when the Jesus finished feeding the 5,000 and they come back and they end up asking for more bread and Jesus kind of calls them out, right? He says, listen, you don't want me. You want what I can do for you. And if you really want me, then you don't want the bread I gave you. You want the bread of life. I'm the bread. Whoever wants to be my disciple must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they're like, that is a wild statement. I'm not going to do that. And a bunch of disciples left. And then he looks at his inner circle. He looks at his 12 and he says, are you going to go too? And I love what Peter responds. Where are we going to go? <laughs> There's no plan B. Where are we going to go? You hold the keys to the kingdom. When you live your life with God that recklessly, where there is no plan B, then you can only put your trust in God because that's all you have. Listen, Psalm chapter 28, verse 7. 
The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Right? Psalm 86, verse 11 through 13. Teach me your way, Lord, that I might rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Going fully in with God, and I've often used this illustration, especially with our young people. I was never the best swimmer. Uh, I think I can barely survive if I do about, it's decent. I'm not the best swimmer. I am definitely not the best diver, okay? I was always amazed at people that can just dive into pools from the side of the pool, how effortlessly they did it. I think every time I tried, like the end of my toes kept trying to curl and grab what was left, because it's like, no, 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 this isn't going to work. And when you try to dive half-heartedly, you're going to belly flop. And it'll actually be very painful. The only way to dive is to go all the way. To fully allow yourself to go literally head first. And if you do that, then you feel nothing. Right? You just cut through the water and you swim peacefully. I think it's the same with God. You can trust God half-heartedly if you want. It's just going to hurt more. But if you are just willing to dive right in and say, God, you hold the keys. Whatever you say, I trust you and I'm all in. Then maybe it hurts a little bit less than you think it will. And the third thing is this. Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Trusting God sometimes goes over your head. Don't depend on your own understanding. I find this is particularly difficult with men, not that it's not with women, but I think a lot of times with guys, we just like, we have to understand it. And there's this frustration with it. Well, I don't get it. As if you needed to. You just receive it. You don't get it. (laughs) Like, understanding is not a prerequisite for trust or faithfulness. It doesn't matter if you don't understand. You just have to trust God. And a lot of times where our trust in God is limited is because we want the full picture. We want to fully understand, uh, God, stop before you tell me to do another thing. I want you to give me my entire life laid out. Tell me how all this is going to work together. And if I get it, then I'll trust you. And I love what the Lord says. My ways are so far behind your ways. (laughs) Even if I try to explain it to you, your head will blow. Like you just... You couldn't. You couldn't fully grasp what it is that I'm doing in your life. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Again, I I can't help but, but go back to children and the frustration we often have with them when we tell them to do something and they hit you back with the why, right? Hey, I want you to go do this. Why? And immediately, if you're like me, there's a frustration that rises up. Like, what do you mean why? You're three feet tall. Why are you asking me why? Just do what I say and do it now, right? But we get frustrated. What do you mean why? And then if you're really bad, and I'm, I'm trying to make sure I don't do this, you actually try to explain it to them. Right? And it's like, well, because, and you know what comes after the explanation. Okay, but why? (laughs) Now, listen, I get, there are some things we should explain. 
But there are other things where it's like, hey, listen, even if you did it, they're not gonna fully understand it. And so what we do is we, we explain it to them in a way where they can get it, but just enough for them to follow through. But here's the reality. God owes us no such explanation for anything. If God tells you to do something, it's to do it. And again, sometimes that thing you're doing is not to your benefit, right? If you look at Jonah and the whale, right? Jonah didn't want to do what God told him to do. Jonah was a racist. Jonah hated those people. And God's like, hey, I want you to go tell him. And if you remember the story, sometimes we forget because we only think about it when Sunday school. But if you actually read the story of Jonah and the whale, the reason he didn't want to tell them what God told him to say is because he was afraid that they would believe God and repent. And he wanted them to suffer. And so Jonah's like, I ain't going to do it. Sorry, God. So what does God do? Swallow him up. You know, God could have called somebody else to do it. God could have been like, you know what, Jonah, forget it. Uh, I'll call somebody else. God could have even called somebody else and struck down Jonah, right? It could have been a shark that swallowed him up. (laughs) It could have just been something that ate him. (laughs) But I love what God's saying. He's like, no, 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 Jonah. This is just as much about you trusting me as it is about you doing what I say. And a lot of times we think God will just pass along if we say no. And you forget, it's not just because of the results of what he wants you to do, it's because of the results of what he wants to do in you. Hey, I'm building more trust in you. Why? Because down the line, you're gonna need that trust for the next things I'm asking for you. Because trust builds on itself. And you might trust God for one thing, and that's gonna build in it for the next thing, right? Look at the life of Abraham. God tells Abraham, leave the land of your ancestors, everything you know, and go to a place that I will show you. Talk about trust. All right? That would be like God telling you, hey, I want you to pack up everything. I want you to sell your house. And when you're done with all that, I'll tell you where to go. Most of us in this room are like, no, no, it don't work like that, God. I need a destination. But Abraham trusted God. And when you look at the life of Abraham, it's not like after that he always trusted him, right? God tells him you're going to have a son. He looks at his wife's like, no way, that's not going to happen. So they take matters into their own hands. It doesn't work out, but eventually God's promise comes to pass. So it's not like Abraham had a clear path always getting it right. But when it came time to sacrificing Isaac, Abraham never hesitated. Because when you read the scriptures, you'll see Abraham thoroughly believed that even if he killed Isaac, God would bring him back. That's trust. But that's not trust that happened overnight. That's trust built over a lifetime of trust. And this is where a lot of times we shortchange ourselves on what God's trying to do in our future because we don't trust him in our present. And it might be a little thing, right? I remember when I was a teenager, I was really like trying to grow in my relationship with God. I was reading my Bible every day. I was praying. I was, I was very adamant about trying to get closer to God. And I kind of made it a point like, man, I want to trust you, God. Even in the ridiculous, I want to trust you. And so I remember... It was a, a morning, I was on my way to school. It was kind of a rainy, dreary day, like the last month and a half that we've had. And I'm, I'm standing at a bus stop and I'm just leaning on the pole. I'm listening to worship music. I'm just kind of praying. And as I'm praying, I felt the spirit of the Lord tell me, move away from the pole, go to the door. And I'm thinking, that's kind of a dumb thing. <laughs> like, why? Because that's always what we say to God, right? Why? And I'm like, that's kind of a dumb thing, why? And then I'm thinking, like, now I'm having a conversation with myself, and myself is saying, well, what is going to hurt you? Nobody knows. This is in your head. Like, nobody knows God told you to do this. And I'm like, hey, but I'm going to look silly. To who? Nobody knows this. This is between you and God. And all this is happening in, like, two seconds. And I said, I want to trust God. And so I trust God. I'm going to just, I'm going to stand by the door. So I came, and I stood by the door. And I kid you not, within a second later, a car spun out of control in the rain and just ran over the pole. And I was like, Wow. 
that was amazing, God. And then I was like, oh my God, I hope this lady's okay, right? Then I went to make sure she was fine. I went to go check on her, make sure she was okay. Can I tell you, that was a little thing. It was a little thing to say, move away from that pole. But it could have been a big thing had I not trusted God. So I try to have all those little experiences with God. Those add up. So that when God says, hey, I don't want you to take that job. I want you to stay here at Belmont. I don't know how many people know this. When I was um, a youth leader, I had an opportunity to go to California with one of our previous youth pastors and intern under him. He was the district youth director in California. So he came out to Chicago to meet with me and we're having lunch and I'm kind of really excited to have lunch. I wanted to pay for, I wanted to show him like, hey, look at me, I'm growing up. And, uh, and he presents this offer. And at the time, I was struggling with relationships, with people, with other stuff, and I kind of wanted to leave. And now he's like, hey, we can go to California. I'll get you a car. We'll get you a stipend. We'll pay for you two years of college. I'm like, this sounds great. At the time, we had just gotten a new youth pastor, Pastor John, and he sends me a text while I'm at lunch, just say no to drugs. And say no was in capital letters. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And then I hear what's offered. I'm like, oh, he's telling me to say no to him. And so did I listen to one pastor or the other? I just prayed. And I felt the Lord tell me, I don't want you to go to California. I want you to take the job that's being offered to you at Target. And I want you to stay serving at Belmont. And I'm like, but my issues are still at that church. And I don't want to work at Target. I hate that place. I hate retail. I don't want to work in that environment. And God said, I want you to do that. Five years later, I became the youth pastor. And everything in California would not have worked out because I, I heard a lot of stuff happen and didn't, it would have not been well for me. I look in hindsight and I go, God, I get what you're doing. In the moment, I was just like, okay, Lord, I don't fully understand why, but I trust you. And I'm gonna do what you say, even if it's not necessarily what I want. And man, when I stayed, God brought some healing in that situation. God brought a mentor into my life. God put me on the path to becoming a pastor. God led me in every one of those steps simply because I said yes to every opportunity of God's leading. Trust might go over your head, but it's still under God's feet. So let's trust him, even if it doesn't make sense. Pastor Jason, if you would come up. I've always been amazed at the trust that we do give, because we all trust, we all have trust, right? And we give our trust oftentimes without even thinking about it. I think one of the most trusting people, if we could just be transparent, are doctors. We just trust doctors, right? Like, not for nothing, but how well do you actually know your doctor? It's like, I don't even know my doctor's first name, you know, sometimes. I don't know their background. I don't know if they were first in medical school or they barely scraped by and became the last graduate because, you know, they're all doctor. Like, you don't know the difference between that. Like, there's just so much. I don't know. I don't know if they love the Lord, if they're a Satan worshiper. Like, I, just, I don't know this individual. But if your doctor says, hey, I need you to take off your clothes and sit on the bed, Okay. You just get completely naked in front of this person. You allow them to poke and prod you and stick things in places and draw things out of you and literally take your blood out. And it's like, I don't, even like you allow people to come in and it's like, dude, I remember eighth grade, I had a physical exam and he's like, you mind if I get uh, two interns to come and observe this physical examination? I was like, sure. And these like really two young lady doctors came in and 14 year old me, he's like, get naked. I'm like, what? <laughs> then I did it because you're a doctor. 
They prescribe drugs. They stick us with needles. They cut us if we need to be cut. We trust in their title completely. We trust them maybe more than we trust God sometimes. Doctors are just humans. And I'm not saying don't trust doctors. It's like, listen, I believe in in what God has done through people and I'm not saying don't trust doctors. All I'm saying is if you're going to trust them, you might as well trust God. Because, you know, doctors have malpractice insurance for a reason. They make mistakes because they're humans. But God doesn't need malpractice insurance. God is good at everything he does. Listen, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in all the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. And I was sitting down with somebody today and we're having a conversation about a number of things. And I just kind of let them talk because I felt like that's kind of what they needed to do. They needed to just unravel themselves. So they spoke for about an hour and 20 minutes. And I just listened or ask the occasional question, just listen, just listen. And at the end, I said, hey, have you prayed about this? And the answer is, not, not lately. I walked, with all due respect, you should tell God before you tell me. What am I gonna do? I'm not God. What is any person gonna do for you that God can't do better? And just let me explain, in my role, I will listen to anybody. But I firmly believe more often than not, I will give you confirmation, but not necessarily revelation. I will confirm what the Lord's speaking. I can stand in agreement or tell you, no, that doesn't, I don't believe that's the Lord. But to, to reveal the Lord to you, most of the time that only happens when you haven't been paying attention to what God's already been speaking to you. And so I said, hey, listen, here's, here's the next steps. I need you to pray. And I need you to pray until you get an answer. And then after you're done praying and getting an answer, then we can set up another opportunity to sit down and talk. And this is a practice I've had for years. When young people will come to my office and you know they'll get ready to talk and I say, hey, before you say anything, where are you at in your relationship with God? Where are you at in your devotional life? Where are you at in your prayer life? And nine times out of 10, they'll drop their head. I haven't talked to God in a long time. Awesome. So you kind of set apart about an hour for us to meet? Yeah. Okay, take that hour, go talk to God, and then come back and talk to me. Just go, just go talk to God. Okay. They'll go and they'll talk to God. And they'll come back with a little sheepish smile. Are you okay? Yeah. You know what you need to do? Yeah. I'm the best counselor ever, aren't I? Yeah. I swear, man, if somebody paid me for an hour to not do anything like that, that would have been awesome. Listen, I'll close with this poem by A.B. Simpson and then I want to give us some time to pray. A.B. Simpson says, how often we trust each other and only doubt our Lord. We take the word of mortals and yet distrust his word. But oh, what light and glory would shine over all our ears if we always would remember God means just what he says. God means just what he says if God said it we believe it and again it may not be what you want to hear it may not be in the timeline you think is appropriate or even comfortable 
but you could trust him because he's a God who's worthy of trust. And quite honestly, because he's already proven himself more than enough to you. I'm not saying any of it's easy because that's not true. Most of this is very difficult. But I think the main thing in this verse about trusting the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding is because we overthink things too much. Literally, I had a conversation on the drive to work, probably about a 20-minute convo, and young man just weeping on the other line, battling with some stuff, and literally says, I just keep think, overthinking this. And I go, yeah, just trust God. You know what God said to you. You know what God's spoken over you. You know what God's done in your life. Why are you second-guessing that? Just trust God. Not me, not your friends, not your spouse, not anyone else. Beyond God. Trust God first. And he will make your path straight. He'll tell you which way to go. So I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. Because as I was preparing for this, I couldn't help but wonder, man, is there some decisions in your life that you need to have God give you guidance for? For direction? And if I can be honest, I think most, if not all of us in this room, have something where we're like, God, I'm not sure what to do. Or maybe it's something that you already know what to do, but you're having trouble trusting God throughout that process. Yeah, I know you're telling me to do this. I just don't like it. Or I know you're telling me to go in this direction, but I'm, I'm caught up in my mind and I'm second guessing things and I'm struggling and doubting. I think we need time to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to settle things in our heart. To give us the peace that surpasses all understanding and to settle for ourselves once and for all. God, I put my trust in you. Like the psalmist said, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Not I might, not I hope, but it's a declarative statement. I have decided, God, tonight to put everything else to rest and to put my trust in you.